My uncle's just asking for what my father would have given him if he was boss when Richie got out of prison. That mob thing. We know you do the right thing. That's right. Little f***ing tough guy, huh? It's over for the little guy. Hey guys, this is Jason Sabone, Jackie Jr. from The Sopranos. You're listening and watching The Burndown Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Burndown Podcast. Today's guests, plural, is from The Sopranos. We have Eugene, Patty, and Jackie, a.k.a. Robert, Dan, and Jason, all joining the podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on. What's thank up, you. guys? Thank you for having us. It's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure. It's a very uh, real moment that some of the guys on my favorite show are on my podcast, so I appreciate it. It's a beautiful thing. Good to hear. Yeah, happy, happy to be here. It's actually uh, it's funny. So he he is actually married to the real life Meadow. Oh God! Um, and <laughs> I say his his wife is a spitting image of Meadow in in the show. And I think she was called that all throughout yeah. high school and stuff. And she I'm watching. And I go, this is. I feel like I'm watching your wife. So he married the real life uh, real life Meadow. <laughs> That's real life Meadow. Yeah. Pretty nice. We've met real life people. There's a lot of real life people out there. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's a lot of doppelgangers out there. You can get a little weirded out. How you're, no, your wife is 100% a doppelganger. It is a spitting image of men. Right. Wow. Oh, we'll take it. We'll take it. Jamie we'll Lynn it. is a beautiful girl. And you know, she never forgot a line. Brilliant. She brilliant really? Brilliant. How, old, how old was she in when you started Sopranos? I think she was 14. I think she, yeah, 14, 14, 14, 14 15, 16, 15, 15 in, that, in that era. Very impressive, and even even then, even the first, she never forgot a line, huh? No, no, she was she's brilliant, she's a brilliant actress. That's very impressive. because you can see, you know, being a young a young actress, actor, actress, you get a little nervous, and you could probably forget. Yeah. And that's oh, very impressive, most definitely. So, she's gentlemen, we're uh, we're smoking your cigars, the Omerta cigars. We're drinking the Omerta coffee. Yes, our so. favorite pairing, cigars and coffee. So, thank you for the care package. My first question to you guys is, obviously, you guys are all friends from the show, but how did you become business partners? How did you guys get into coffee and cigars? Like, How did that all develop? Go ahead, you know, Bob. I, take it from you. I joined Instagram. My sister said, join Instagram. And it was just like, wow, this is great. A lot of people from the show appreciate what you do. Anyway, one of the riches, well, two riches, uh, contacted me, the coffee guys and cigar guys, Richie contacted me through and he said would you be willing to uh interested in um you know promoting our cigars and and uh and taking a bit of an interest in it uh financially and i said that's you know i have a businessman andrew jedlaka from andrew frank group and and i uh passed the baton to him and say hey, these guys seem pretty cool why don't you just look into it and uh, and uh i spoke to andrew i said you know me alone is okay, but let's bring in a couple of the guys and my friends Danny Grimaldi and Jason Sorbonne. It'd be a great fit. We're all friends, and and that's how it happened. So they got us together as a group, and and then Andrew took it from there, and here we are. Wow. Now, who's the biggest yeah. cigar guy out of all three of you? <laughs> well, I got, I became more of a cigar I guy. The golf, the golf Thank pulls you. it out. The okay. golf, pull, the, the golf, golf pulls it out. Yes, it does. Yeah, man. <laughs> That that's what it is, honestly. Outside, you know, smoking a cigar, nice. It calms you down a little bit. Most you know, definitely. Most hit, 
losing those balls, hitting those bad shots. And you just keep smoking the cigar, man. Just keep, keep smoking the cigar. You it's know? almost an excuse. It's That's like, it. honey, you play a lot of golf. Well, you know, I like cigars, so it gives me an excuse <laughs> yeah. to smoke cigars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, but like like Bobby said, um, you know, we got involved with these guys. And from there, it was, you know, trying out all the different coffees and kind of picking out the ones that we thought would work best for our line. And, you know, we like a little bit of this one, that one, and, and what flavors. And um, and then the same thing with cigars. We really got to, you know, put our input into, into what the product line was going to be like and about. And it's been fun, actually. It's a totally different thing for all three of us really to get involved in something like this and we also got involved in the naming of the company as well as uh the logos on all the all the bags uh of coffee so uh uh not only did we promote but we did we did uh take part in the uh, creative creative uh, packaging and so and, you're telling uh, me you were part of the creative process with your face yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you want for a logo? My face. <laughs> he, he wanted that for every single bag. And I said, no, uh, yeah, we can't yeah. just that. I said, I got to put the three guys. Three guys got to be on there, man. Three guys. It's a great, uh, that's a great, that's a great shot. So, so how many different, I know you have quite a few, how many different flavors of coffee, flavors of cigars that you guys have? I think we got 17 flavors. Yeah. 17? The coffee we got a lot yeah. of coffees. Yeah. yeah a lot of coffees. We have flavors. five cigars. Yeah. Wow. Now you can, can, is there a, uh, like a package that you can purchase all 17 in one big, you know, fell swoop or is it more just, yeah, you can, we have the gift, gift baskets, like certificates and you can order the, all that stuff. I mean, and there are discounts for, for bulk uh, orders. I'm sure. Yes. Because I love coffee, and I'm very interested in the one that we're having right now. For for people that are listening that can't see it, um, is we're having uh, this one, Eugene's early retirement. Oh, that's uh, a nice one. It's man. a great pick. Uh, it says, "Enjoy this medium roast co- cafe blend, bursting with notes of vanilla, caramel, and Kahlua." Actually, and uh, when it was brewing, I'll tell you, it smelled up my house something real nice. Uh, <laughs> well, one thing about it, one thing about it is they are flavored, but the bottom coffee. Taste of that you still taste the coffee and you and it, you're drawn to it again and again because it's just not overly flavored. Yeah, I don't know if you get that, but that's the great thing. Did the coffees have a here? great base to them. I prefer woke up this morning, Danny and Jason's their straight coffees, but mine is 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 a uh, is is good too because of that bottom that coffee bottom, you know. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good that. a good point that you make up because there's a lot of coffee nowadays, especially you know out of the uh, the uh, old. Uh, Green Mermaid one. I'm not going to boast them, but the old green uh, <laughs> coffee uh, store that has a million these different flavors and it's just sugar bombs left and right. And I go, I just want oh, God, a cup yeah. of coffee. Yeah. Just give me a normal cup of coffee. It's okay well, if it's got be- hints of this and hints of that. I love that. But don't put all this sugar flavor crap in yeah. there. Just give me yeah. coffee. Okay. These, these are very good coffees. These are, these yeah. are very tasty. And you can buy them, purchase at www.shopomerta.com. That's okay. where you can purchase. And now you got do you guys three, are do the three W's. www. Don't just do the two. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I don't even think. Quite honest, I don't even think you need it anymore. You could probably just go to you know. You don't even need no, the www. Actually, but, and yeah, you guys are in uh, like store, uh, stores as well for the coffee. What's that? Are you guys in like We're supermarkets? To. Okay. 
Yeah, you guys just yes, had a yes. partnership we're, we're with uh, to, yeah, uh, yeah. a large uh, corporation, I believe, right? Didn't she just sign something with one eight hundred flowers? One eight hundred flowers. We're in we're in some food towns, right, Jason? And uh, yeah, we're, we're in some food towns. Um, Ocean City. Ocean City. Yeah, we're at look, the Yes, we have a place in Chico right, right. We're doing. Yes, we have like a franchise location up um, further down by Atlantic City as well. So we're we're looking to branch out uh, as far as like actual. You know, uh, brick and mortar. You want to say uh, places, yeah, yeah. but right now a lot of it is uh, online. Well, I know what's really what's really cool is that you have the whole combination of coffee and cigars, and one that is our favorite combination uh, or pairing when it comes to drinks and, and cigars. Uh, but two, a lot of the cigar lounges also offer coffee. So if you can get into mm-hmm. the brick and mortar cigar lounge and say, "Hey, listen, I also have a coffee line. Mm-hmm. Bring them both in, and now you have the pairing." Uh, so I think it's a great, yes. great concept that you guys, and I think it's the only, if I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the only company that has both, like a coffee yeah. cigar brand. I don't know. You any- said it. You said it, and, and I'm going to stand by that. We're the only ones. I, th- I, I can't think of any other first, ones. People. Rubber stamp that mother right here. I honestly, yep, I can't yeah. think of any <laughs> other ones. Usually, it's just coffee or cigars, but to have one that comes no, out with both, saying these are supposed to go I together. Think you're right. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. a cigar company offer. Maybe like a different cigar, like a different coffee brand, but not their own and their own umbrella. So let's keep right, it that right. way. I, I like, I like to that way too. That's it. That's it. For sale, that's whole beans that you have. It like I have a grinder. Uh-huh. I have a grinder that's next to my Keurig, you know, and I put the, uh, the non-disposable, yeah, dispensers. That's the greatest thing. You can grind it and put it right in that non-disposable thing and Keurig or whatever the thing is that the the holes in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little pod or whatever it is. Do you yeah, you guys, and, uh, um... it's nothing like that fresh feel, that fresh. And people, I'm just saying, this coffee is ice. It's the next Rayo's of coffee. <laughs> no, Rayo's it's delicious. I got to be honest. It's delicious. It's, it's yeah. very, very good. It's, it's delicious. Not saying that just because you guys are here, but this is no. a delicious It's very bold and coffee. flavorful, for sure. I spoke to Danny. Danny had told me, like, uh, you know, Bobby, I, I do a lot of these things, but this is really good coffee, good cigars, good coffee. You know, you oh, tell yeah. me, it's, it's true. It, it, we do it, a lot of promotions, but really proud of this. You do, know? I, do any of you guys still use a percolator for the coffee? <laughs> no. Not the percolator, but I do a drip. Problem. I do a drip. I, I like a drip pot. Yeah, I, I still but, use uh, a percolator. I have a percolator in my kitchen. Do you really? Still, yeah, really? yeah. My All dad, right. my dad, like, Five six years ago, just whipped it out one day. I'm like, what? Is, what is this machine? Like this contraption? He's like, this is like the way we used to have coffee. And then ever since then, I just taste much better to me. You ever go real yeah. go real old school and do a pour over? No, I don't even know. What you that gotta is. get yourself a pour over. Uh, you know what a pour over yeah. is? I tried using the French press once. It, it seemed like a lot nah, of work. You, get, for you me. just get you just you, you get some yeah. hot. You boil some water, some like hot water, and then it's just a, a thing that just sits on top of your mug, and you put the coffee oh, in that, and you just yeah, pour hot sure, water sure. over it. That's the real, real old school way. I use a drip machine too, just because I like the way that it smells up the house. Me too. Yeah, and and honestly, I'm like a coffee snob when it comes to the coffee part of it. And because I don't, I don't put anything. I drink coffee black. So if the coffee isn't yeah. good, like I'm not, I'm not fancying it up with sugar and all these sweeteners and this and that. I drink my coffee plain black, and so again, it's got to be good coffee. And this coffee is is really good. Honestly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the aroma, the aroma is. The aroma is fabulous. I mean, it's the smell of each of the brands that we have, each of, each of the of the different brands. The smell, the aroma is unbelievable. Well, that's like that's part of the coffee too. It's part of the whole yeah. experience, right? My my wife. One of the reasons we have the drip pot is because of you know it, you can get that smell in the house. I mean, aside, we also have we're each drinking two cups of coffee in the morning. My sister drinks a cup, so it's like 
once you get there, you can't be doing five, six, seven Keurigs. Just make a freaking pot. Everybody's going to have a few cups. Yeah. But when she wakes up in the morning, she can always she always says, yeah, I wake up because of the smell of coffee. Because we put the, the, the program on so that the coffee brews before like uh, yeah. before yeah, you wake right, up and yeah, it yeah. smells up the house and she goes, I can smell the coffee. It's from like the here. Folgers commercial. Oh, it's great. And then you open you open a bedroom door and you're just like, oh, it's such a nice smell. Such a great smell. That's what. That's why we got woke up this morning. That's why we got the woke up it. this morning. Yeah, that's it's better than an alarm clock. Now, do, <laughs> do, do you know why? It's an alarm clock. Do you guys know why cigars or tobacco, rather, and coffee go so well? Is it such a great pairing? Have you ever heard of the reasoning why it's so good together? So, you know, I've heard people. I've heard a lot of people say that they like the pairing. I do as well, mm-hmm. but no, I don't. I don't have a good reason why. So, now, now you guys can use this as well, but it's something called the tobacco belt and the bean belt. So on the equator of the world, where is all the coffee and tobacco grown? In all warm countries, we're all around the equator. So they, we like to say what grows together goes together. So tobacco and coffee are grown in the very same regions. Hence why very they go. Nice. Feel so free well. to use that in any promotional, yeah. uh, in any commercials. What, what grows together goes together. There yep. you go. Very nice. You heard nice, it here first. Nice quote. So you guys are more than welcome to use that. You know, throw us like a, some credit every now and then. But yeah, you're good. <laughs> sure. Well, I don't know if you guys heard this, but we're the only company to have coffee and cigars under the same umbrella. I don't know. I did. You know what? I did. I did. You know what? I did hear that. You know, I did hear that. I might have yeah, heard yeah, that yeah. from a bird in the in the. In the <laughs> I might have heard that on a yep. show. Isn't there a podcast that said that? Nah, those guys are whack. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you guys come up with the name? Obviously, we know the word Omerta, but what was like the creative process for you guys? Like coming because I think that's the hardest part about coming up with anything is like, what are we going to call it? So, how did you guys come up with that? Well, we we were definitely tossing around a bunch of names. Um, but the, something about Omerta was like respect and and the idea of like you know the, the imagery of the cigars and the and the link with the sopranos and um it, it just we all kind of i think jumped on that one as soon as that one you know went up on the board it felt like the one yeah. you know it was it was the one to beat for sure and uh and it didn't hurt that it has an r in the word as well so we got the we got the handgun there. Yeah, yeah, I like the yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. A great touch. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the marketing brain, so I'm always about branding and how things look and how things you know people perceive things. So it's it's a very nice touch. It looks perfect. Looks well, really- I mean, the big thing is that it was you know it was a it was a mob word and mm-hmm. and so we but also it meant respect as well as silence. But it also was like Jason said, it was easily identifiable with the Sopranos and also uh, with respect. And, uh, you know, something that should be honored mm. and it just, it just worked. It was a one word and it would just, just was just sounded right when we, when we hit on. And it's a, it's a strong word too, you know, and you, it, the way that you have it written, written out in like the block lettering with the handgun, it's just, it's a visually strong, which I like when you're, you know, if you're looking, coming up with a brand name, uh, you want something that's powerful, has some meaning behind it, but is also Visually, uh, you don't want something that's kind of, you know, somebody's gonna look. Ah, eh, okay, they probably could have done a better job on that. Ah, eh, it's kind of yeah. lackadaisical. This is this is, bam, in your face, strong, has meaning behind it. You have the little touch with the handgun. It's a very nice. Uh, and the pictures do a great job too. Yeah, and then you know you got a picture. Of, you know, you got a picture of his face right on here, and just looking right at you, like you know, holding up a gun. Hey, buy my and coffee. Do, or we do have a, we do have the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a picture of us on the back of it. On um, you know the new the, we had bags that, but the new bags have the pictures of us three of us on the back, which is kind of cool too. 
you know. Is it this picture? Yes, that's yeah. correct. <laughs> By the way, thank you very much for this as well. This is welcome. This is awesome. We is have. That, is uh, that where the uh, the flagship location is? Is this the, this location or no? That's a place in Long Island no, yeah. called A yeah. and uh, in front of A and S. Kind oh. of our like pseudo Satriels kind of a place. And gotcha. We, we enjoyed it going there and uh, and hanging out and uh, taking some shots and you know showing off our mayor time. Hey, there you go. And where where is that in uh, Long Island? Hey, Hey, there you go. We got merch. We got merch. merch. Hey, that's that's right. Shopomerita.com. Shopomerita.com. Where is uh, is that location on Long Island where you took that picture? Are you talking about A&S? Yeah, in A&S. Oh, where is that? Where's it? Hicksville, maybe? I don't know. Okay, okay. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, yeah. Good sandwiches and good pizza there. Good pizza and good sandwiches. Yes, the pizza was good. Good food. Yeah, it's very good. You know, like and it's, they're very uh, supportive of us. So that's all that matters, then. Yeah. Because none, none of you guys are Long Island guys, right? Dan, Brooklyn, Rob, or Bob is Staten Island, and Jason's Yonkers, yeah. right? Or were well, you guys I all? Grew up? I wasn't. I, I I grew up in Yonkers. Yeah, you grew up. Yeah, sorry. now that's I'm. Where you grew up. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. But yeah, but I'm still in Westchester. Yeah. Cool. I'm also Sag Harbor. Oh, right. So yeah. you're in Long Island. Oh, okay, all right. Long Island. That's yeah. right. I'm in. I'm in uh, Melville, Huntington area. Okay. Yeah. Okay, nice. so I, it okay. took me three hours to get home from Huntington like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> it's brutal, brutal. We got people. I'll never come... forget it. I'll no, never forget it. It's brutal. When we have guests yeah. on, they come yeah. from Queens, Brooklyn, Jersey, and we're oh, like, "Hey, yeah. give yourselves ample amount of time because." And they're like, "Oh, I'll leave." I'm like, "No, no, no. I don't think if you've been in Long Island, I don't think you know. It's one way. Yeah, you don't one understand. Way okay, it's, it's so brutal. Danny. Danny loved that drive home. Boy, oh yeah. <laughs> an extra hour and a half or whatever it was. I mean, I just try not. I just avoid it at all costs. I'm like, if I don't have to leave the I'll house, you, I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> my family. You guys are in Long Island, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, I, I am. He's up right in Westchester, now, but yeah. right but now, no, yeah, right now, yeah, 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 yeah. correct. Yeah. This is my uh, pool house turned studio. <laughs> I have family from Long Island. My 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 great great grandfather. He had land uh, near Grumman's Air Force Base out there in Long Island. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For the government was allowing people, it was all government owned, of course, and they were allowing people, farmers, to get a plot of land there and they would lease the land, you know, they would, you know, rent it very inexpensively and they grew produce and we they would take the produce back to Brooklyn and sell it and whatever they didn't sell, they would eat. So, yeah. you know, back then in the 40s, that's the way it was. But my family, I still have family out there in, in um, Brentwood and... Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I've... I've my my family's still out there in a way, you know. But we lived in Brooklyn, so and there's not out. much farmland anymore here in Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> you go way out east. Well, they sold a it. Bit. My great grandfather sold that. You know, he, he eventually he bought the land and he sold it to Grumman's. Uh, so he made a bit a bit of a and he built homes in Brooklyn and Long Island and stuff. That's what he wow. bettered himself, you know, along the way. Yeah. But started as farmers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even and know I'm if playing, that uh, if that I'm Grumman's thing is now. there anymore. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I said I'm playing an Italian American in 1960 in Ronkonkoma, mm. who who rents who rents a, sh- a shanty to uh, to to Puerto Ricans that nobody else will rent to. Is that so, what you're, that's something they're working on right now? It, well, it's, we did we did some readings of it. It's supposed to go up in May. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. All right, Ronkonkoma, put Long Island on the Ron map. Conkoma, All right, in the go. 60s, in the 60s. I love when that. When it was farmland. When it was farmland. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. You know, he started building the uh, cookie cutter housing. They call them what? The Levitt yeah. houses? So he, he, yeah. He's a slumlord. 
in Ronkonkoma. He's a slumlord in Ronkonkoma. That's so funny. Well, maybe like off offline, we'll talk about. Uh, maybe you can drop the the title offline. Not obviously not now because it hasn't released yet. But I'd be interested to to watch that. That sounds yeah. pretty cool. It's, it's feminine hours. Is the, it's a play. Oh, feminine hours. Okay, you can it's say it. Play, cool. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, my um, I gotta I we're gotta right, ask my right. mom, but my great grandfather used to own like a um. Uh, in Brooklyn, what was it? It was like a milk and egg stand years and years ago back in Brooklyn, and I, and probably would, we probably got it from Long Island, like you said. I never actually thought of that. I gotta, I gotta confirm. But he used to have cheese, eggs. It was uh, Sakuro, I think it was Sakuro cheese, eggs, and milk stands. Hmm. It was something crazy. But cool. that's uh, I never, I never realized that's what they did. Yeah, very interesting. And uh, so let's uh, let's talk about how you guys got onto the Sopranos. So, yeah, let's talk about some Soprano stuff. Man. So. Obviously, my favorite show, right? Just like I mean, it's only fitting, right? We got three Sopranos on. We we got to talk about Sopranos. I mean, you got to do it. Okay. So, how I know you guys, you know, doing some your research on you guys. You guys acted before, but how did you guys all get on to the Sopranos? Like, what was that process like? Uh, you know, I guess trying out for it. You know, the environment. Did you guys feel intimidated? Not feel intimidated? What was that whole process? Yeah, because like? I know there was a lot of like you know there was a lot of things that you guys had done prior to. Sopranos. So, what was that process like? Like, how how did you each get onto the show? Well, Jason, let the, da, no, Dan. I think you should, Dan's got a pretty interesting one because uh, when anyone watches the show, you know, you had a, a, a twin brother. So, Dan, yeah. why, why don't you lead the way? Because Dan, you had, you oh. had a very extensive background. You got a PhD, a master's, and you got into some acting. So, it's very. I'd be interested to hear about your your background. My background. How you got onto the Sopranos? <laughs> The Sopranos. What, what, who, What's that? Who, what, do we know that? Do, uh, do we know that show? Are there singers? <laughs> are there people who I was sing? an out. I was an not to be confused with the tenors. Sorry, okay. I, get, I get confused. Are get the nurse. Sing? Somebody get the nurse. Dan, <laughs> real quick. Are you guys the Sopranos? Is this? Are we on the show right now? Is this a podcast? I don't, sing. I, I don't have a good voice. I don't know. I think you need I some. Co- I think you need some coffee and a cigar. <laughs> well, okay. So I mean, basically, you know, every. After the first season, everybody wanted to be on The Sopranos. Every actor in America, mm-hmm. and I, myself included, we all wanted to be on. So um, I auditioned actually for uh, the dealer. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, he gets killed in two episodes or something. And I didn't get the part, and I'm very glad I didn't get the part. I was unhappy at the time, but I didn't get the part. So, uh, you know, Philly Parisi, which was uh, uh, season two, episode one, and uh, I don't know this as a fact. I, I, I keep forgetting to ask David Chase, who was a genius that created this. Um, he, you know, after they became, after they became a big hit in the first season, uh, I auditioned for Philly in October. They were already, they were already in in uh, production for season two. Mm. And if if you watch Philly, he summarizes the whole first season in like three minutes. He, he, you know, that Tony was. Tony goes to see a psychiatrist and his mother, he tries, they try to kill him. He tried to kill his mother. So he goes on and on about, he's like, he's like summarize. And it was like, Hey, if you didn't see your first season, this is what happened. And he was the first, he was the first new character. And it looked like he was a big character because he was taken over for junior and I was killed in four minutes. So that, that was the end of my big, big <laughs> role. I mean, you know, it, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I auditioned for the part. I got the part and I was very happy. I was ecstatic when I did this. When I did the role, uh, um, 
I, 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 t- I spoke to the director and I said, you know, do you have to shoot me? Alan Coulter was the director and he's like my angel. He said, you know, Danny, sometimes, uh, you know, you get shot on this show and it's a good thing. I said, really? Could you miss? I mean, because you wanted to stay on this show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so what hey, happened was uh, they were shooting in Italy at the time, those the Italian scenes. Uh-huh. And Chase, when he came home, uh, I just found out, Alan just told me this story at the 50th, the 50th, at the 25th anniversary party. He said, you know, when David came home from Italy, I said to him, you made a big mistake killing this guy. And David looked at him and said, I know, I know, I know I did. So they went in, they watched the rushes, and he, he liked my work, uh, which was what I always wanted in my life. I wanted my work to, to you know, move me ahead. Mm. And uh, he liked what I did, and he turned to Terry Winter, and he said, you know, you can use the twin card once, and I'm going to use it on this guy. And then he created Patsy. Wow. And, and so wow. Wow. So from one episode, it became forty-seven. Now, and, now, did you? When so you, you left some kind of mark on 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 this guy. You must have. That must have been. You probably the feeling that. What was the feeling like when you got the call? Said, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna pull a twin card. You're back in." Yeah. Well, I, you know, there were rumblings, and this this was uh, after after we shot that in October, and there was rumblings, and uh, and, and then they brought they created they created Patsy in january for the one scene where he he's he steps you know he comes with the fur coat and then the scene on the boardwalk but then it was is he going to come back and that was the question am i going to be on the show or is that it and so that was it till the summer i had to wait and i was away and my agent had told me you know, there's, there's rumblings they're going to call you back blah 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 and i told my son my my youngest son james i, I was in italy going to italy and i said if they call, you call me no matter what time it is. Uh, you know, I care. I don't care. It's the middle of the night. I want to know if I'm going back. And sure enough, uh, I went back. And the first day I went to costume, they showed me my closet, which I had never, you know, I had never been a regular on a show. And they had like 15 costumes. And, and, and she looked at me and she said, well, I guess you're going to be in a lot of, a lot of episodes this season. Beautiful. So You're probably yeah, on cloud I, nine. I, you're probably I, like, I, oh, I'm the shit. guy on the show, I think. I'm the luckiest. And uh, I'm very grateful. I was grateful to be Philly and ecstatic to be Patsy. Now, did you, did you, uh, when you had to pee in the pool, did you get stage fright or was that natural? You were just ready to go. <laughs> I, I, I drank a, a lot of water before that. You know, it was a, it was a tough shoot. Uh, no, no. It was, it, <laughs> no, in fairness, he pees everywhere we go. <laughs> You're probably like, thank God, I have to pee so bad. You put this in the scene? Thank you. It was technical. There was a hose with a tube that ran up Oh, my that's funny. To, to the, uh, right now, I had to be drunk. I had to hold a gun. And I and I had to hold a, uh, there was a valve on the tube. And the first time I, I turned it on, I shot it into the next yard. <laughs> and they wanted a small arc. They wanted an arc. Oh, yeah, so it's all about the arc. You got like a half a turn on the tube. <laughs> they, yeah, they wanted one arc so they could bounce the light off it, which I actually did in one take. And, and, and Jeff Marchetti was the PA, and he was the mayor, of, the mayor of the set. Everybody loved him. He was funny. He was the PA. He was down at my, at my feet. And, you know, it was MOS, so there was no sound. And he was just, he was ragging me and I'm trying to create drunk. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to make the valve. It was, but it was, it was, you know, a hose with a tube and it, That's great. you know, it's the magic of movies. Oh, that was probably hilarious. <laughs> the first thing, phew, God, oh shit. My oh, yeah. <laughs> Cut, do it again. <laughs> I just turned it and boom, it just shot out. 
That's good. <laughs> Probably look yeah. back and I'm like, was that was that good? Can we keep that? Was that good? <laughs> and and the funny the, the funny thing about it, when I read the script, you know, we have a reading of the script, you know, a table read before we do the episode. And I I saw that I was gonna pee in the pool. And I was so happy because I knew I would be the guy that would be the guy who peed in Tony's Yeah, pool. most definitely. Anybody of who I was introduced to, do you remember me? I was the guy that peed in Tony's pool. <laughs> I even told Mayor, I told Mayor Julian at one of the premieres, I told Giuliani that, Mayor Giuliani. I said, you know, Mr. Mayor, I peed in Tony's pool. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, it was it was nice to be known because without the glasses, uh, I was not that recognizable in public. So that's what the guy who peed in Tony's pool. Yeah. I mean, that was the first thing I was like, "Oh, I'm having Patsy on. We got to ask him how he you know he peed in the pool." That's like the biggest that's thing. That's why the be- you know you don't you don't realize that there's the 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 movie magic, right? They give you a hose, and it's like, yeah. listen, you gave me a hose with like fire hose pressure. Why don't you just give me a little leaky yeah. hose, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just give me a little. Give me a little. All right, you guys are up. All right, who wants to go? Who wants to go uh, next? It's like round. It's like a round table. Uh, sure, sure. So for me, uh, similarly, actually, I auditioned for like the role of a uh, pizza kid. Like I think it was like a two-line role originally, and um, I got the callbacks and was really hoping that I would get that. And when I didn't get it, I was like totally devastated. Like, oh, that was my chance to be on the show. And you know, within a couple months, the role of Jackie Jr. came up. And I was able to audition for that because I didn't get that other role. Mm-hmm. So you, you really never know, you know, what opportunities could be there. Uh, at the time, you're disappointed, and then it turns into something better. Um, yeah, I uh, it's kind of the same thing, Dan. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, they brought me in at the end of the second season, and they had Meadow and I kind of, you know, chatting in the background, and it looked like, oh, maybe that could be a little something that they want to sort of plant. But I didn't know for sure if I was coming back season three uh, or if the character would be back at all. And um, and luckily enough, uh, I was back. And, you know, I had a great run and uh, a lot of fun with everybody. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. Funny how things work yeah. like that. Right. It's funny how um, funny, uh, how, you know, how God works in mysterious ways where you think that you're you're the one role that you really wanted. You didn't get. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, you're just crushed. Like, man, that was my shot. It's like. Uh-uh. Got something better for you. No. It's funny. It's, yeah, it would, have take, it would have taken me right out of the running. For yeah. the other, right? You know? I mean, that, that would have been it. So it's like, yeah, it is. It's it's really something. And, and you know what I noticed? I, I actually noticed you, Jason. Um, after I watched The Sopranos a few times, and I started uh, at the time dating my, my girlfriend at the time, not my wife, but she was a big Law & Order fan. So I was just always stuck watching Law & Order. And then every episode, I would watch, I'm like, wait, is that? Wait, I'm like, there's a million Sopranos characters in here, but you were the first guy I noticed yeah. on the show, and then I noticed like, uh, you know, um, uh, Tony Pr- Soprano's sister. I noticed all these people. I'm like, I guess everyone who goes from the Sopranos goes over to Law and Order. So yeah. it was funny. Yeah, that episode was called Jackie Jr. Goes to Law School. Right? It was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> he finally well, it was made the other it. Way around, you know, Law and yeah. Order was the Law and Order was the best show in New York before. We the Sopranos was created. Most definitely, and we were all on it. We all did many. Bobby's on it a million times. Yeah, I was on it five or six times. Jason's on it, you know, because I've been watching a lot of the reruns. You just see your friends thirty years ago. I mean, it's just it's incredible to see the people that were on that show. Uh, oh yeah, it's a New York that. institution. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Most I mean, definitely. and there's, I mean, how many, how many spinoffs of Law and Order? Are there? Law and Order still going. It's still no going. It, there's yeah. so many of them. Yeah. Just an iconic show. So, so Bobby, that's how you. That's that was your first show, right? Was the, was Law and Order, and then we went from Law and Order into The Sopranos. 
No, Sopranos was my first. Was it? Yeah. I had done a play with James Gandolfini, Streetcar Named Desire, like eight years prior to Sopranos, and we kind of kept in touch. And then he went to L.A., and I lived my life, and I was working at Caroline's on Broadway, and a a friend of mine went up to him at a party at the second at the end of the second season and said to him, my friend Gordon Silver, God bless him. He went up to him and said, if I was you, I'd get my your friend Bobby Finaro a job on your hit show, Sopranos. He's a really arrogant guy, you know, so he had the <laughs> Cleones to do that. And, uh, and Jimmy said, like, he was a great guy. What's Bobby doing? Because we lost touch. He's working at Caroline's. He's managing Caroline's. And, uh, oh, really, really? And then a role came up on the third season and Jimmy thought I was right for it. And he came down to Caroline's. He went with his driver, Joe Faith. He went to, he forgot what comedy club I was at. Then he found Caroline's and went to a few and he got the Caroline's and Caroline's, you walk down the steps because it's a basement thing in a building on 50th street. It's a basement uh, room, showroom, uh, comedy room. And uh, I was regular day going into work and he, Jimmy's at the bar having a drink. And I said, what the hell are you doing here, man? Good seeing you. And the rest is the history. Wow. He asked me to audition. Wow. He couldn't promise me a role. And I landed a role. And that was the, 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 my, my first professional job. It was, I was really blessed to be on the show. That's and, great. And to do it. That's, That's That was my story. That's how I got on. Wow. wow. So I had a. So to say, a little angel. Yeah, most the definitely. Best angel you ever could have. Most One definitely. One of your friends. Yeah. Because it's very tough for us to 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 break into that circle. You know, the agent thing for years, trying to get an agent, is so difficult. So when you have a friend that makes it and thinks about you, that's the great. And I try to, if I can help any of my friends, I try to do the same thing because it's so tough. It's so tough to to work as an actor all the time. Mm. And that's why they created things like the actor studio, these things that because there's a lot of downtime. So it helps to know people and you do a little bit more work. It's all about you know? it's all about who you know. Yeah. So how how is that how has the process changed over the years from, you know, auditioning way back I don't want to say oh way back God. then, I mean two thousand, but to you know, where you'd said, mm-hmm. Okay, you, you you had a friend who said, Hey, come in audition, you walk in your audition, you get the job you get the job. How has it changed until now where I imagine there's so much more, you know, that goes into it and you have to follow these processes and fill out these forms and do this and do that. Has it, how has it changed over the years? COVID crisis changed a lot of stuff. It it broadened everything with the Zooms and stuff like that. There's not as many in-person, in-person meets and greets. Uh, Everyone is just at home. Uh, I personally don't like that process, although it's nice to go in for a callback. But the talent pool is widened. Uh, it seems they use more than the New York actors. They use a whole wide bunch of talent. Talent flies in from different places of the country. So I personally don't like it very much. But it is what it is. It's what ha- it's what wow. happened. You know? So I go back a lot longer than these two together. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I go back to the Stone the Stone Age when uh, when actually the doors were open. You could walk into an agent's office and talk to the secretary and actually just get in to talk to the agent. Uh, there was one agent, I forget his name. He was an older gentleman. I used to go see him every Saturday, every Friday. I mean, I'd sit with him for two hours and, you know, and like Bobby said, talk about how hard it was in the business. And he would always pat me on the back and tell me to keep going. And I had another friend, whenever we would meet on Broadway, we making rounds or whatever. And we would say one more 10 years, uh, one more 10 years, uh, you know, you, you're in it, <laughs> wow. you're in it. If you believe it's your destiny, you're in it forever and you're never going to get out. It's worse than the mob. 
really. You, Bobby, Bobby got out by killing himself, but right. as an actor, you can't get out until you die uh, by, by somebody else's hand. But anyway, it was, you know, not that it was open doors, but you could get in. Mm. It, be, it also was, it wasn't just visual. In other words, the whole business went towards visual because that's what we became as a society, mm. visual. So they, they, they cast people at, because of their, how they look a lot of times rather than talent. And in the, and, and before, before it became corporate, uh, before it was corporate, it was based on talent. And I mean, look, but talent, but more and more. And today it's a lot of how, how people look. And now with AI, we don't, we're not even going to be ourselves. Oh, so, that's scary. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. A... It's changed. It's changed dramatic and tremendous because the walls went up, you know, and, and like for Jason, when he started or Bobby, when they started, they couldn't get into an agent's office. Yeah. I mean, I had to go through three or four levels. You had to know somebody. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, I was, at, I was out in California once and I tried to get in some agent's office and I went out to a bar as I was dancing with some girl and she was the secretary to the place I had tried to get in that day or the day before. And I, I didn't ever saw her, but you know, I was, we were whatever. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll let our imagines, our imaginaries wander. And the next day, exactly. There you go. Next day I'm in the office being interviewed by the agent. Wow. So went to see, I went to see the secretary and she got me right in. And you know, it, so it was a different, now they, they, as when these guys started, it was like wall after wall yeah. after wall. I mean, you just couldn't get to see people. I mean, it was just impossible. And, and try to get people to come and see your work, which was another thing. You know, and, and when I first started and was getting, a, you know, if you did a showcase, which was the way you did it in New York, you did a play, then then you could get agents to come and see you. Mm. I mean, they literally would come and look at your work. Uh, it's, it was still hard to get them to sign you because they wanted you to be uh, cornflakes. If you weren't cornflakes, which means, you know, you were a product that they could sell. They weren't going to sign you. Wow. You know, I even asked an agent one time, don't you want to like, don't you want to de develop a career? You know, you know, I'm fairly good at this stuff. He said, Danny, you know, it was the age of the blonde. He said, if I get a blonde kid in here, I get $5,000 one phone call. He said, what am I going to do with you? You know, uh, how am I, I, I said, well, you got to work. I mean, you got to work and, and, you know, we'll build a career together. I, they, they don't want to. Do that. Yeah. It's, it's very, really it's very true. Like, you really need to have like leverage. And once we all, we're on the show. We had that leverage that could get us in the door. And James provided that for me, at least, and, and for everyone else, too. He gave everyone a chance. And if he liked you, you know, you were going to stay and, and David Chase. So we had that leverage to kind of go on with our careers, whatever that is, you know. And But before that, like Danny says, it, it, it was very, very difficult to just do anything. And just what I what I say is indicative. I'm, you know, I've been a member of the Actors Studio since 1988, and before that, there I used go. to observe. And and there's so much talent in that building, and many many people never get the opportunity to work for money, uh, and it's just uh, it's sinful. It really is. Yeah, I, I think you you touch on a a good point. I mean, Bobby, you had talked about how you know previously it was in person, right? You want an audition, you go audition, you see them in person. And they say, okay, here's your scene. I want you to run through the scene. And you got people watching you and you have to perform in front of them in person. Um, right. But now you just see these people. They just take a, a video on their phone. They send it in. That's my audition tape. And it's yeah. like, where is the... And then, Dan, you had touched on half the time 
they're not even looking if you can act or not. They just want to see, do you have the look? All right, cool. We'll put the look in and we'll we'll make exactly. it work, right? We'll figure it out. Yeah. It's like there are still it, casting directors that still will call you in, people like Ellen Lewis, uh Georgianne Walken, they'll still call you in. You have to make the the initial tape. Those old school people are still the best and you can meet the director, but it's really become a little bit more difficult. The union, we we had negotiated to do less pages. It seemed like after COVID, we would be given 10 pages to memorize. And you memorize it because everyone else is doing it. You got to be at your top level because, as I said, the talent pool is widened mm. because of the Zoom. You can have someone in Georgia audition or, or L.A. come to New York or you're in, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot more It's competitiveness because of the pool widening. In New York, it was just, oh, get the New York actors. You know what right. I mean? It was a little bit rarer to get other. So now it's just, so now we negotiated to five pages. I think it is for an independent film or something like that. They only can give a certain, and they, I think there's some sort of stipend to make tapes because it, it was out of, out of control. And of course, I'm not going to say anything. Everyone's saving money because you don't have to go in. They don't have to hire somebody to yeah. write down what number you use. So it's, it, it's easy, but you know, um, uh, it's it's the easy. I, I feel like the it's it's the easy way out. I think the 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 the, the real way is to to find out who that person is because then you yeah. go in and that person, uh, that casting director like Georgianne Walken, could give you an adjustment. You might be playing something a little different, and that adjust that one adjustment. Yeah, the director sees that bam, or oh, that's the guy. Yeah, and like, and yeah. one of the, and that's a good point of adjustments too, is because if you just send in, you know, like a tape, one there's there's a different, a huge difference between performing in front of, you know, by yourself in front of a camera versus performing in front of a table full of people, right? When you have people's eyes watching you, there's a difference between, you know, it's much easier to do it by yourself when nobody's looking. But your point of um, being making those adjustments is, I feel like they can tell if you're moldable. How do you take adjustment how do you take some as criticism like i need to make an adjustment on this on this person can they make that adjustment real quickly or is it going to be a challenge because i I imagine as a director that's a very important piece of hiring an actor or an actress is can they make these little adjustments on the fly and if they can't then this is gonna be a very difficult person to work with you need to be moldable meaning like okay you're doing a little too much here you're doing not enough here i need you to change it this way change it that way and when they can see that in person Right on the fly, it's like, bang! All right, I got the guy or the girl. Yeah. yeah also, also, uh, you have nervous, nervous energy and adrenaline when you go in person. I mean, most definitely. It's, you're a different person in the room than you are. Like we're talking here in front of Zoom. With I'm different in front of Zoom. I'm not. I'm not the guy who used to go in and and be nervous outside and ready to go and all this other stuff. You get in front of the camera and you, you know, you're in your home. It's just a whole different environment and a whole different. Oh yeah, and the adrenaline is not is not the personal. Yeah, the personal yeah. personality and the personal. Yeah, when you're there, you you know, for lack of, but you feel seen. Where you know, you talk about the the talent pool, and it's like you know, there all these people sending in all these tapes. I mean, the reality is, who's to say anyone even got to see your tape? Whereas if you're actually in the room with with these <laughs> casting yeah. people, you you know, you feel seen. It's like. With all these tapes coming in, I mean, you hope that someone got eyes on it, right? It's like, you know, you put a lot of work into these things and, and you hope that you, you actually have a legitimate shot. But, you know, you might be able to make a, so many t- million tapes 
but you know, how many are getting seen? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the reality yeah, of it. I so mean, that's a, that's a great way to say too. Cause I mean, I, I always, I relate back to that when, uh, when I was playing basketball in high school, right. And you're trying to get seen by colleges, you can make a million highlight tapes and send them out, but you don't really know if the coach is even getting them, if he's even watching them, but you go to a tournament where you know the coaches are sitting in the stands. It's a different story because right. you know that they're watching the game. You know that they saw you, whereas, you know, you send a highlight and, reel. Exactly. You know, an example from The Sopranos, from my audition for uh, Philly Parisi, I went in and I auditioned for Chase. Chase was sitting there, and it was him and Terry Winter. You know, I didn't know who Terry was at the time. And, you know, I read I read for, I read for Philly, and then, uh, David said to me, uh, could, "Could could you stay a minute? Because uh, I want you to read another thing." Yeah. And, and you know that's always funny in the back of your head as an actor. No, I'm not. I'm not staying. And and uh, you know, you give me the part or not? But really, what you want to say is, "Here's my arm. You could take my arm. I'll take the part." <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's... he he there we there we were. I was in the room with him, and he and I said to myself, "Well, there's 24 guys up for this part. I beat the first 12. I'm in the middle. I was like number 13." I said, well, I beat the first 12. I don't know what's going to happen with the next 12. But because he <laughs> took a fresh screen, you know, script, and he gave it to me, and he, and I read it. And, and so you, you, you have that, too, that personal thing mm-hmm. with the it's, casting director. Or it's, the very, director. it's very, very true because uh, a part of my business, what I do is I still go into businesses, and I shake people's hands, and I look them in their face. And sometimes I get these younger people. Like, you know, I'm 32, so maybe people my age are younger, but they look at me like, why, why are you why are you here like can you just call or, or, or just like zoom me and i'm like you're not used to people like showing up here are you and they're like no we're not and i've had a lot more success just showing up in person shaking your hand looking in your eye maybe seeing if i can crack yep. a joke how can i'm just oh, yeah. personality because like you said if you just take a tape you only know that person because they just probably tried it 50 times and took the best tape so it's uh it's a big difference when you're actually in person with the person there's something to be said for you know in-person meetings and shaking somebody's hand, sitting down with them in person versus versus Zoom. There's so much more that gets accomplished and, and just the general, the aura behind the meeting, the feeling of sitting down yeah. with somebody looking at them. Like even right now, right? If we were doing this in person, it would the the feeling of us just sitting around a table all bad. looking at each other and yeah. you, you vibe off each other's energy versus over a screen. I mean, this is yeah, how we have to do it. New, but this is the new reality of, of what yeah. the world we live yeah, in now. It so is. it's you know, it's just I just hope that, you know, like we can do we can do the tapes and people call us in, directors call us in to, and they have. I have done some that they've called me in and and that's great to go in and meet the director and meet the casting director. But, you know, it's just this is the reality. The first step is always the is going to be the tape or a live Zoom. Uh, it's it's really hard. And I've done those readings with the casting directors on the Zoom. It's 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 ridiculous. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's probably weird. You're yeah. in that room with that Zoom, you know, with the casting director. You can really you're talking and listening. This is like a flat screen. It's just <laughs> Well, a, a, a sidebar is uh, the biggest thing for me with cigar. We're talking about your cigars is the draw. So the draw on the cigar has been extremely, extremely good. And I like to say you get an ample amount of smoke. When you smoke a cigar, you always want that big inhale of smoke or taking of smoke. And it's accomplished that. So the coffee's very good. Cigars are very good. good. You guys are cool. doing a good job. Good to hear. But, um, custom, those cigars are custom created. 
Like when you make the order, that's when they make the cigar. Oh, okay. So they're okay. So they're made made to order, not just you know yeah, you don't just have basically. a stockpile of them sitting somewhere. Mm-hmm. No. Gotcha. So now no, where where are these made? Are these made in in America? Are they made in a factory in DR somewhere or Florida? Right? Is that right? Am I am I wrong? No, they're rolled in uh, Texas. Oh, rolled in Texas. Texas. Oh, oh my yeah, wife's from Texas. Texas. I love yeah, Texas. I believe so, yeah. Hey, okay. I love Texas. That's great. My the wife is from... Tobacco, I think, is from South America, right? Or the, the tobacco is from where? It's from yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah, from... Uh, from uh, the awesome deal, probably. Right yeah, from... I'm sorry, from Dominican Republic, yes. Yes, and, Dominican uh, Republic. Nicaraguan, the, uh, the Maduro, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, mostly Dominican Republic, yeah. Beautiful. Nice. That's actually where... Uh, our, so we... I don't know if you know, but we have our own cigar um, called the Blueprint, which is up... up over here and there, ah. um, oh, which nice. actually we we gave um, we uh, Andrew. Andrew, thank you. We gave him some of our our cigars for you guys to to try, uh, but our cigars are rolled in Dominican Republic as well, and have a blend of a bunch yeah, of different that tobacco. Seems to but... be the place. Yeah, it's only a handful yeah. of countries: Nicaragua, yeah. Dominican Republic. I mean, you obviously have Cuba, you have the Honduras. Got to remember, as the climate changes, the world, our vanishing wilderness, so to say, the region and the climates. Uh, for instance, I read an article in the Times about Champagne that the French region of Champagne is being replaced this place in England because of the sunshine and the soil really? and everything. So things are shifting to, in other regions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a Cuban cigar, so to say, to be the best cigar. Most so definitely. The Dominicans they're, they're growing tobacco that really is is savory and, and it's really nice, good stuff. Yeah, you know? the uh, the the non-Cuban cigars are just as good or even yes. better than the Cuban cigars. Yes. I you know I don't really smoke that. Like if someone gives me a Cuban, I'll mm-hmm. smoke it, but I don't look for Cuban cigars. You know, I won't be biased and say my cigar is my favorite. But there's so many other good cigars from Nicaragua, Honduras. Uh, Dominican Republic. Yeah. yeah, I always just say that that a lot of people always ask. I mean, us being you know having a cigar show and having our own cigar brand and everything, people always say, "Oh, you're the cigar guy," and they come in and they say, "Oh, so are Cubans everything that they're cracked up to be?" And I always say, "Listen, it's Cuba is just another country that makes cigars, okay? Just like Nicaragua, like Dominican Republic, like Honduran, like Ecuador, Mexico, all these different regions. There's going to be cigars that come out of those countries that are good, and there's going to be cigars that come out of those countries that are bad." If you don't like the way that Cuban tobacco tastes, you're not going to like Cuban cigars. Just like, you know, if you don't like yeah. the way that Mexican coffee tastes, you're not going to like Mexican coffee yeah. or the coffee that comes out of Mexico. It's it's every country has their own flavors, has their own cigars that come out of there. Some are going to be good. They're going to fit your palate. Some are going to be bad. I've had Cuban cigars that knock your socks off. I've also had Cuban cigars that taste like shit. So it's just, you know, it's your personal preference. And yeah. I yeah, would I've say that a lot of the yeah, non-Cubans yeah. are really, they're really coming out. You know, Bobby, like you had said, where, you know, their they're tides are changing. And Cuban used to be, you know, the, the stronghold the on background. cigars. But now a lot of these other countries are really stepping their game up. The climate, the soil. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, like, for instance, the wine in, um, in Naples, the Vesuvio, that soil, that volcanic soil is very rich. So I mean, it doesn't mean uh, everything is, is is shifting. So there are people. I mean, I always say if the shoe fits, wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could smoke a twenty dollars cigar, or you can have a fifty dollars bottle of wine. I I have a ten dollars bottle of wine, and I like my ten dollars bottle. I like the way it tastes. It's just good. Yeah. I've had champagne that from the nineteen oh one at Rails with Vinnie Pastor. And we both looked at each other after we drank the champagne. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give me that five dollar bottle. Now, the wine was better. The wine, the vintage wine. Now that was different. But the champagne was, I don't know. I couldn't taste the difference. Wow. You know? 
Like you had said, the shoe fits, wear it, man. Yeah. If if you yes. like the five dollar bottle, the ten dollar bottle, by all means, more power to you. That means you could buy more for the same price. You know, great. So we got uh so Sopranos twenty fifth anniversary. Yes, congratulations by the way, twenty fifth anniversary. I mean that's that's great. That's awesome. Unbelievable. You know, yeah. it was the uh, first show because I was about seven, eight years old. It was the first show I was actually kind of, sort of able to watch with my family, and it turned me on to a lot of new things in life between naked women, killing. <laughs> it was a good uh, learning yeah. experience. But you know, I'm sure we can have a three-hour podcast talking about you, all your interactions with James Gandolfini and all the lives, and because all you hear about him is how much of a good person he was. But I wanted to ask you guys if each of you have one special moment that you both adore that you all adore with james gandolfini whether it's on the show whether it's in your personal do you guys have something in mind that you know resonates with you pretty well with james gandolfini all right i'll tell, tell mine very quickly golf cart scene uh with james we're in a golf cart i have to just drive up drop him off say i'll see you later and then we do a couple of takes and jimmy says to me in between the takes I'll give you five thousand dollars if you drive the golf cart into that pond, and he's freaking serious. And I know him as my friend, okay. And I and I know I would have got I would have been given the money, no problem. That's how he was at that stage in season six, you know, or season five. He was just doing it every day. He just wanted to have some fun. And I said, James, I love you, but and this is the kind of guy he was. He would do the what everyone said he couldn't do, he would do. That's awesome. But I didn't have the Cleones to do it because I figured, <laughs> man, if I drive it, he gets hurt. I know I'm not going to be. Oh, he wanted to. Do it. <laughs> he wanted to do why you guys were in the car. In the car. In the car. The golf cart. Oh, to drive it into the pond. <laughs> drive it into the pond. He said, driving into the pond going to be five grand. That's and so he funny. meant it. But I said, you know, I can't do it. You get hurt. I'm going to be in trouble, man. You thought about it, though. So, you can't say you that didn't. That was one of the best moments ever. Had. You can't great. say that you didn't think uh, about it for a split second, though. I did. <laughs> That's awesome. That's Golf cart into the pond is quite a, quite a. For five grand, no less. You know, I just said, I just said, make it, make it 10 and you got a deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. <laughs> Listen, you're talking about you're talking about my career, talking about your health, talking about personal injuries. Well, you make know, it ten. Bob was thinking for the future. He's like, if I do this and end up hurting him, you know, I'm gonna, known, I'm gonna be known. I'm gonna be known as the guy we're, who hurt Tony Soprano. Guess what, Bobby? You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you and we already used the twin rule, so we can't bring you back. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you, if he gets hurt, the next five episodes. <laughs> Then you, then now you become the guy who hurt James Gandolfini. Well, you know, it okay. could spin off like you know he he didn't want to let you go to Florida, so you know you're like screw it. I'm gonna if I can't go to Florida, I'm gonna take him down with me into the pond, and that would have been funny. My story is uh, it was one night one night we were shooting, and it was a it was a it was a long shoot. It was like a 14 hour shoot. We did that a lot, and um, uh, I it's an an actress left. Uh, I worked with Rod Steiger and, you know, Brando left Steiger in the car, you know, on the waterfront and Steiger never left the set. And that's how you learn. You learn from people you respect. And I worked with Steiger and I, he had, I had four lines opposite him. I played his lieutenant and he was a mob, you know, we were mob guys. And, and he stayed two hours to give me my off camera lines. And I, I, I learned, I never, I would never leave a part because it's a, it's a big difference. The real voice of your partner versus somebody else standing in for them. Anyway. So 
Jimmy was working with an actress, uh, and and she left. And I saw him turn around and walk into the corner and just, you know, punch the wall. And just, he was so angry. But he wouldn't show it. He wouldn't show other people. It was just him in, in isolation showing his, his uh, dismay. So we had we had a big scene together and uh and um i had a big scene the next day and they wanted me to leave they said danny you know go, go home you got a big scene and i and i said i'm you know i'm not going home i said i'm gonna no I, they said we want you to go home we want you got a big scene tomorrow somebody will give me the lines off camera i said no i'm not i'm not going and then I, they they kept pushing me and i said listen take me off the clock you don't own me my time i'm staying and uh, i stayed to give him the line and for some reason, I get emotional when it comes. So um, when, when they called cut, he he came over to me, and you know he was a massive man. I always say that he was a, not just a big guy; he was a massive. And he picked me up like I weighed two pounds, and he always used to call me the old man. And he and he just hugged me and said, "Thanks, old man. Wow, thank you." And that was that's special. Wow, that's special. That was a, that was a special moment. Most definitely. I, most definitely. I mean, it, it, then he it, said he'd give me five grand if I uh, hand the <laughs> golf cart into. into the <laughs> oh, he asked you first. All right. No. So you, so you stayed. You stayed to yeah, return I, the favor. Say, you know, I'm gonna give. Somebody had given me my lines and stayed with me. So now I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna pay it forward. I'm staying for you. Don't pay exactly. me, but I'm staying because I know what it feels like when someone, right. when the person mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to do the scene with reads them yeah. to me. I'm gonna read it's them just, to you. It's just respectful, and the other thing is, your actor. We rely on each other's voice. I mean, and 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 person, you know, it, it just feeds us. It's you know, well, my you know, I will study with Strasberg, and he always told us, you know, the biggest prop on the on on the set is uh, your partner. That's the biggest prop you have. Mm-hmm. And I remember Al Pacino giving a a, a a a talk when I was a very young actor. I was in acting school, and he said, you know. Whatever's real on the set, just kick the. Sh- you know, he said he worked in Indian wants the Bronx, and he there was a tel- the only thing he had was a telephone booth. He said I kicked the shit out of that telephone booth. He said, you know, he said when you have something real, use it, and that's that's you know we're, we're there to create reality where none exists, which is what acting is. Mm. And so anytime you have reality, you try to use it. That's a that's a that's a great way to put it. We're there to create reality where reality doesn't exist. Mm. It's true. That is a beautiful. That's a beautiful line. I've never heard that. That's no, beautiful. That was good. We might have to take that one and exchange it for uh, what girls take that goes together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, you're up. Uh, uh, well, I mean, personally, I had um, a, I was lucky enough to have like a, a one-on-one dinner with with Jim um, down uh, in the meatpacking district years, you know. Um, obviously a long time ago while we were shooting the show. And for me personally, that, that night meant the world. But as far as um, just being able to, to kind of chop it up with him and go, uh, you know, listen to what he had to say, I was just trying to get everything I could possibly get from the man. Um, I, you know, I, I, I looked up to him tremendously. I was a big fan of the show before I got on it. So for me, it was like the biggest deal in the world. Um professionally i remember the scene where he like kicks the shit out of me in the in the strip club bathroom yeah and um i mean i love stuff like that i think it's fun you know i mean again goes back to what danny's saying it's like you know it, it, it the the reality of it is right there we're in a real bathroom there's real walls that you're getting slammed up against and 
there, there's not much acting you have to do. I mean, you got this big guy who's just, you know, flipping you all around the place. And, um, in, in one of the takes, you know, when he's grabbed me, he accidentally smacked my head up against the, the tile. Like, you know, we don't stop. We keep going. He obviously, I felt that I knew, but he, he must have, you know, felt the, the jolt as well. And, um, we keep going. We go through the scene. He leaves me on the bathroom floor. The scene ends. He walks out. And as soon as they yell cut, he comes running back in and he's like, comes to the floor and he's like, are you okay? I know I hit your head. You all right? And it's just like, that's the kind of guy, you know, it was just like, he, this, this guy who I idolize is like, you know, he really, he's got a great heart. He gives a shit about everybody, you yeah. know? And, you know, it just, that's kind of a testament to, to the kind of guy he was, you know? Most definitely. And the ability to be able to it, just like switch it on and off. Right. Like he was oh, in, yeah, in the yeah. scene. Right. And obviously he knows that, you know, may I, I might have really hurt this kid, but he just continues yeah. with the scene. But as soon as they yell cut, it's light switch off. And he's James. he's no oh, he's yeah, no longer yeah, yeah. Tony. He's he's James. He's Jim. He's like, run yeah. back in. Shit. Are you OK to be able to do yeah, that? Because yeah, yeah. a lot of people have heard the stories that are like method actors when they're on set. They're in They're They're like they're in their 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 role and they never get out of it yeah. until they leave the set. And it's like. For him to be able to switch it on and off like that is very impressive. But just do me a favor. We we know that we got to check the gun. They show us the guns before we fire them. Oh, uh, sure yeah. We all know when that happens. Make sure there are caps, man, in there, man. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want a uh, we don't want a rust scenario. A rust yeah. scenario. You rust don't know what happened with rust with or is that you mean Baldwin? Yeah, that's the, okay. well, it was the, the movie. Was the movie that he was filming oh, was, was well, called Rust. I just, yeah, I just called Rust. Him. I just know another movie. Yeah, but you know that's a good th point too. Like even with, uh, I mean, I had to handle a gun. Sure, Danny had to handle a gun. Jason, you had to handle a gun too. Yeah, yeah. Gun, and you know they yeah. were really careful with us. They go to step A, B, C, and D. Show us the caps, the charge. That really it was very, very. I'm not saying anything. Get like that. That that show you mentioned. They always goodwill to everyone mm. but i'm just saying on our set that was a very important uh thing that even the stunt coordinator pete picosi very mm -hmm. very uh, very careful about all of us james included you know making sure that we were sa our safety was uh paramount yeah that's important i mean it's i can't imagine what it's even even after going through all of those checks and all the safety protocols and then it comes time where you have to you know handle the gun and fight and you know, you're firing the gun. It's you're still probably super uh, uh, tentative and almost nervous. Like I, I know we went through all the checks. I know we went through everything, but you know, you're still a little. There's like that small inkling in the back yeah. of your mind, right? It's I can't imagine the when, feeling. Uh, of I that. don't know if I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but uh, Jason, when uh, you get killed at the end in season two with uh, with Vito, for some reason I always thought the gun that he kills you with is so small. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> it looks like it's such a small little gun. He might be just because he's a bigger guy, but I always, every time I see that, I'm like, that gun looks so that is, small. That is true. I guess now that you mentioned it, I probably, I probably should have been insulted about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, like, it goes back to like what Dan was saying before when, when, you know, can he miss or whatever? I mean, I actually wasn't the, you know, the stunt guy was the one who actually you see fall over mm -hmm. into the snow or whatever. But um, yeah, the gun was small enough that maybe after you fall over, he, just get back up. I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. You're I coming I'm back, right. man. You're coming back. Right. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> point. we do one like that just so we have it? we do one where I get up, I'm okay? That's funny. But, you know, when you talk about the danger, 
when Philly was shot in the car, they all told me, close your eyes because there's little, little, little particles that mm. could hurt you. And they said, make sure when, when, when he shoots, you close your eyes. Make sure you do that. That was, <laughs> that was, yeah, something to be aware of. I got closed. I closed my eyes. Now, Jace, is that picture behind you? Is that a Sopranos picture with Sergeant Pepper's, uh, like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, like yeah. Theme? I, just, I just got this. So, so, um, that's, that's yeah. Awesome. Uh, so that's like the famous on, Beatles, just, Beatles, uh, cover album. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hang on. Uh, let me show you guys real that's quick. That's actually very, very cool. Must have, um, must have been AI. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Let's see here. Wow. So, well, there's, there's David Chase right there, right? And I'm over here. Can you see me? Yeah. And uh, let's see. Uh, where, where are the boys? Do you guys know where you are in this? I can't even remember. I'm looking at everybody's face. I have no idea. Oh, Dan, you're right there. I think I'm on a, right on top of that. Uh, right on top. Oh that yeah, and there's Bobby. Wow. Yeah. There you go. That's a cool picture. That is a, that's a very cool, uh, very yeah, cool poster. Cool, right? Yeah, as you're talking, yeah, I'm looking only, at it. It's the only piece of uh, Soprano anything that I have in my house. But I actually I thought it was, <laughs> really? it was different enough. Yeah, I'm yeah, shocked yeah. I mean, by that. It's the any... only piece of Sopranos that you have? Oh, we lost him. Oh, he hung that's up. nice. He hung up. Now it's really nice. Now, like, uh, how is it in when you guys are out in public, right? Like, do people recognize you instantly? Do they? Do people just like profess how much they love the show? Your, your the favorite scene that you were in? Like, what's what's that like being like in everyday life now? Being at the well, show, a lot, is so a lot of people because of the COVID crisis, people a lot a couple of generations that are checking us out, and I get a lot more people coming up to me and saying, you know, uh, love you on the show, and it's great. It's a great blessing to be recognized, and I think more than ever, um, it's been happening for me at least um, because of that, because yeah. of the crisis. That's some positive things that happened from it also, and. Here we're together, you know, because of it, you know what I mean? So I would think COVID, you I, know, everyone being home, I kind of amplified the Sopranos even more. Yes. Right? Yeah, they rewatch it, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely did. I, I think, definitely did. A lot of generations, a couple that, of generations, you know. For yeah. sure. Over the years, we just get more and more fans. We're getting more and more people watching it. So, you know, we get recognized more and more because there are more people out there that are uh, watching the show. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it was. Who have watched it, who have watched it, besides the original you know, between 99 and uh, 2007, then we have, you know, we have since 2007, we have 16 years or whatever yeah. it is. And uh, people, you know, new generations have watched it. So, so many more people have watched The Sopranos over the 25 years. So our recognition factor goes up and, and uh, we we are stopped in public and, and they're all, our fans are great. They're yeah. always nice. They never, did, they like, never want, they're never, uh, they're never, uh, intrusive and, uh, they say your lines. They know more lines. Yeah. I forgot it, the lines that they say. Have yeah. you ever met, have you ever met somebody? Cause, you know, so when, when did it, it ended what, 2007? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So if you had somebody born in 2008, right? And now we're in 2024. They're 16 years old. Have you met somebody yet that says, hey, I'm a fan of the show and they, you guys filmed it before they were even born, because you can well, imagine. Jason, you're your son, right, Jay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I, I thought you got mad at us, Jason. You hung up. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, enough of this. You don't believe me that I don't have anything else hanging. With? Um, no. So, um, yeah, my son is 15, and he 
started asking me, oh, I want, I want to watch The Sopranos. I mean, he's he's always heard people, you know, come up to me and say Jackie Jr. And to them, it was just like my kids. I have a daughter also. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, that thing, that thing, you know, you're they call you Jackie Jr. And that whatever that is. Like, but it was never really, never really got into too much about it. But, you know, now that he's in high school, he's like, you know, does, I does watch, he walk I around watch. like, said, yeah, my my dad, my dad's no. Jackie Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But, but, um, no, he's good about it. But the funny thing is, so all his friends started watching it. You know, just randomly they started watching, and he's like, "Dad, I mean, everybody, all my friends now know what this is, and I, and I'm the only one, and you're on the show." It's like, <laughs> so he he just started watching it. I mean, you know, again, teenagers they're they're getting into it. Yeah, they weren't even. They weren't even thought about yet. It's it's wild, started. right? Like they weren't yeah. even born, and the show is done. Like two thousand one to two thousand seven, right? And it's yeah, they weren't even born yet. weren't even a twinkle in the eye yet, and now it's exactly. And and he loves it. And the thing is, you know, you might think, well, this generation with the the iPhones and you know all, all that stuff that it, it might take them out of it because we had flip phone. You know, we were doing the flip phones back yeah. then, and it just honestly, I watched. Um, I watched like the first um, maybe two seasons or something with him when he started watching it, and it's still as good as it ever was. And honestly, it doesn't. It, it, you get you get sucked into the world. It's not the other way around. It doesn't. You know, it it's not distracting, and it doesn't bother them, and it certainly didn't bother me to, to see that. And and um, yeah, man, I, I it holds up for sure. And it's like you said, twenty five years we had the anniversary. It's really something. Now, it is. now the 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 age old question is. Does Tony Soprano die at the end, or does he live? What's everyone's take on it? Well, uh, I don't call TV art, but art is whatever's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And that's what Chase did. And months before, not that I ever knew anything, I, I just said to myself, how do you end The Sopranos? You just end it. Mm. You know, he didn't tie, he, he reflected life. He didn't tie up loose ends. We don't know what happened to Russian and the rapist mm. and all these little loose ends. Just in all of our lives, we have these loose ends we don't tie up. So how do you end The Sopranos? You just end it. Now, he's spoken many times, but I think I heard one time that they keep living, they go on living, we're just not watching them anymore. Because there's so many, there's so many like on yeah. YouTube, so many Soprano ending conspiracies. I think, Dan, I think you might be even one where you like you were behind Kelly. Oh, I'm, I'm the top, right? I'm the top, I'm the top <laughs> character to assassinate. I'm number one. It's so crazy Everybody how people get so I involved and, and, and just That's like so That's why it should continue the show. The show should have gone on for another two Well, years. I mean, you know, you know, you know, what's, you know what's great about, you know, an ending like that is, you know, you could see in, okay, let's say, you know, it's been 25 years, right? You can see maybe in another 10 or 15 years or so, somebody says, you know what? I want to continue the story or I'm going to do another spinoff. You can, having an ending like that where you're kind of, can kind of go either Subjective. way. You can have something now. Granted, I would hope that because there's this can go two to, one of two different ways, right? You can have somebody that comes in that really wants to sh to give the show its respect, right, and and create something that adds to the show that doesn't you know butcher it, but continues the story. Maybe a, maybe a backstory, or maybe you know the kids come up and now they're they're a, another version of it. But then it could go the other way where you see a lot of these people that are coming out and making these movies. Oh, I'm gonna remake this movie from you know, the, the sixties or the, yeah. or the eight, and they just butcher it. And I go, you don't have to remake it. It's, it's great the way it is. Don't touch it. Right. So you can kind yeah, of go yeah. one of two ways, That's but having an ending like that, you go, it leaves the door, it leaves it cracked, you know, leaves that door open mm -hmm. a couple inches that 
piled. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I think in that vein of like nothing ever kind of got sewn up on the show, like you said, the Russian, the, this, uh, for me, I, I felt like Tony, that, that feeling that he had in the diner and that sort of like that paranoia and that having to look over your shoulder for me, that that's, that's what kept going on in that, in that fictional world that, you know, that it continued on, but that was now going to be his life that he was going to, you know, have to be looking over his shoulder. Um, he says, he says constantly, I'm either going to, I'm either going to get killed or I'm going to go to prison. So, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, it's two ways. You know, those are the two alternatives. I mean, I think it's, not, I, think, I think it's not going to end, you know what I mean? Uh, David, I mean, Peter Bogdanovich, I, you know, he wrote a little bit of a, a thing about it, uh, its openness and how in perpetuity things, that the boy, you're going to have Boy Scouts, you're going to have the brothers, the African-American cats, you're going to have the um, the guy with the members only jacket and, and Tony's having the onion rings and you always, it, it, it just goes on. It doesn't matter that you have a finality of someone, Tony getting massacred. It's going to happen. People are going to get arrested. It, it just, it's America. Mm. You know what I mean? And one person, one door closes, another one opens. And I thought it was a brilliant way to, to end the show. Um, in, th in that, in that vein, that members only guy, everyone thought you could, well, is that guy going to, you know, you make it up like Danny was saying, you, you, it's for you to, to envision. But at the same time, I think it's just, it's our, it's America. It, this is America. Most definitely. Know, Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, and Dan, like you had said, is it leaves it, you know, it's arts in the eye of the beholder, right? So it leaves it open for whoever's watching it. You create your own ending of mm -hmm. how do you think this, you think it, he lives on and keeps going. You think he gets killed. You think, so it leaves it open for you, and it, it it makes the experience of The Sopranos different for everybody. However they envision, the and the couple of, you know, if there was going to be a couple of episodes after that finale, it leaves it open to them. How do you think it would it would go? And the, the conversation can spark of, you know, five different ways. And the proof of the greatness of the show is that 25 years later, people are still debating the ending of the show. <sighs> no TV show. With all the endings and said there were great shows along the way, none of them as great as The Sopranos, and none of them talked about as fervently as The Sopranos. I mean, it's still debated. I Most mean, definitely. Twenty-five years later, well, it's it's sixteen years later, whatever, from two thousand and seven. Yeah. And people are still, well, what's the ending? What happened? You know, and it, and everybody's still de debating a show that was went on 16 years ago and, and that's the beauty of it like you said like it keeps it keeps the show in a way still relevant while people are still talking about it to this day like you know what do you think happened i think this i think that and it's a way yeah. it's not definitive to, we, all, we all long to have closure in, in our lives that that final scene and uh but life, life's not really like that it's not it, it just goes on Most you, definitely. Know, you don't know you don't always have the uh, same valentine's keep, day massacre we're just not watching them Yes. Yeah, that's another great way to put it. Yeah. We as Americans want closure. We want to see the end. We want to see the crescendo, the Super Bowl, they win and stuff like that. But life's not like that. Yeah. You know? For sure. Well, well, gentlemen, we uh, we had an hour and a half of your time. We really, really appreciate you coming on the Burn Down podcast, talking about your cigars, talking about your coffee. Delicious, by the way. Uh, at this point of the podcast, we like to kind of give you guys the red carpet and whoever wants to be the top spokesperson for Omerta. Just plug away where people can find the coffee, where they can find the cigars, where they can find you guys. Please. If you have any events coming up, if you have any special, you know, things going on, new new brands coming out, new this, new that, the red carpet's yours. Plug away. 
Uh, okay, well, I'll say a little something. Sure. Yeah, yeah Jay. Well, so you can you can you can pick up the stuff, the merchandise, the uh, the mugs. There you go. Show that mug again, there, Bobby. Let's see the mug one more time. There we go. Uh, you get the coffee, the cigars at shopomerta.com. Uh, yes, we're going to be doing some appearances. We have some some other exciting stuff coming up um, that we can't talk about just yet. But if you follow us on Instagram at getomerta, that's on Instagram at getomerta, and um, and follow the website as well. We'll uh, we'll keep everybody updated with everything going on. But uh, yeah, look for us in stores. And for now, uh, you can order the stuff online. Great. Awesome. Well, well, Dan, Rob, Bob, Jason, thank you guys so much again for coming you. on. It's been a great time talking to you. Thank you for your time. We really, thank really you. appreciate it. We hope you had a thank good you. time. Next time we're gonna have, have to you're gonna have to meet in uh, in person and have a have a cigar and a cup of coffee in person. Yeah, sure. Come to New York, but okay, do me a favor. Yeah. Well, I'm here already. Yeah, yeah we are yeah. in New York. We're I'm, I'm already here. Oh, so. you oh, you're here. You're in New York City. No, we're in Long Island. I can get to New York City. I know you're in Long Island. I can get there. That's another. That's another city. Listen, you pick. You pick the place. We'll be there. Yeah. That's our three-hour trip. Right. Whole other state. All right. But thank you, gentlemen, again. And uh, best of luck with all your adventures. Thank you very much, guys. God bless you. Thank Thank you, gentlemen. Good night. Good night.